Okay, it's good to be here. Everyone got their packet? If you don't have one, if you need one, they're on the uh, back chair there. And if you, I guess, my wife is walking by them. My wife, my wife is walking by them. So I think she'll be happy to give, get anyone, one who needs one. Okay, so yeah, we're going to continue to go through this packet um, this week, next week, and then one more week. So we have three weeks left in our counseling series, and we're going to get into some of the more practical kind of hands-on stuff today. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we'll jump in and do a little bit of recap and jump in and get started and start to tackle some of the, the other stuff in your packet there. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks to you for this day that you've given to us. We give thanks to you for all of the things that you allow for us to have and endure and experience. We think of what it is that we learned last week in Romans. And we boast, Lord, not just in the hope of your glory, but we boast in the process of being people of hope. And you take us through that process, Lord, um, on purpose for our good, for your glory, and for us to be more like Christ. So we remember that, Lord, in the difficulties of life, and we look forward to later this morning to go through the next section of which Christ becomes front and center and helps really eclipse all of the trials and the troubles that we go through, Lord. We, setting our eyes upon him, are able to not only endure, but to to rejoice in them, to boast in them, like the text says. And there are many people that are going through trials and hardships right now. Many of us, people in this room, experiencing difficulties of life, wondering why is it? Why, why won't people listen? Why do people do the things that they do? Why are they making the choices that they know they should not be making? Why do I make the choices I know I should not make? And all of this, Lord, we need your word, we need your counsel. And so we pray that you would help us to come to the scriptures and find it to be the word that instructs us and equips us how to live, and then equips us to be able to help other people as well. So may all these things that we cover this morning, Lord, be unto your glory and be pleasing to you and helpful to us. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so just by way of review, before we jump into the new material this morning, we're talking about biblical counseling. And when we're talking about biblical counseling, we're talking about, really what we're talking about is biblical discipleship. It's really what we're talking about at the end of the day. It it boils down to this thing that God calls us to do and to make disciples. The, The... what I would say is that there's a slight nuance when it comes to biblical counseling when you're doing formal biblical counseling. Formal biblical counseling being when you have an appointment set up with somebody and they're going to come in and to see you and there's an agreed understanding that this person is coming to you to receive counsel to help them understand their problem from a biblical perspective and to help them work through their problem from a biblical perspective, and if God allows to solve their problem from a biblical perspective. So um, biblical counsel, discipleship takes on a little bit more of a structured, intentional, purposeful role 
when it comes to biblical counseling in that way, when it's formal. Discipleship becomes really structured. It becomes very intentional. It becomes very personal. It becomes very problem-specific at times, if you will, when it comes to formal biblical counseling. But like I said before, all of us are always counseling and giving counsel and advice to other people. You're giving it to yourself as you read through the scripture. What is this saying? What does it mean? How do I apply it to my life? What changes do I need to make? You're counseling other people. Hey, you should stop doing that. That's not good. You should start to do this. This is better. I mean, all of this is counsel. Think this way. Live this way. Even God commands us to feel and orient our desires and cultivate those in a particular way. All of that is within the, ro- the realm of discipleship, and you're always giving people counsel on what to do with those things and how to work through situations and issues of life. Um, so even if you're not getting into the formal role of biblical counseling and you're doing the informal part of biblical counseling via just relationships, discipleship, stuff like that, then this is going to be helpful to you. And so we're looking at, at this training really in two parts. The first part is the theological aspect of it that undergirds counseling and the importance of good theology. I was thinking, man, I was thinking on a drive yesterday on the way to the men's thing, I was thinking, you know, Lord, people really need theology when it comes to discipleship. And I was like, no, wait, people need good theology when it comes to discipleship. They already have theology. Everybody already has a theology, that the, the understanding of, of God in some way, shape, or form. The question is, is it good? Is it biblical? Is it true? And that's what we want to focus on when we're doing biblical counseling. The good theology. Any good advice and counsel that you give is going to be undergirded by the theology that you are operating from. Good theology makes good biblical counseling. Bad theology makes bad biblical counseling. It's pretty much that simple. So we've talked about the theological aspect of it. We looked at specifically these two doctrines of um, the authority of Scripture, which is on the first page, the cover page. And we worked through the theological pyramid there, talking about the canon of Scripture, hermeneutics, exegesis, biblical theology, systematic theology, practical theology. And there are other fields of theological study as well that aren't included in this, but this gives us a nice framework and structure to understand um, what it is that we need to be able to counsel biblically. People want to jump to the practical theology, uh, and we're going to get into this today as well. The, The temptation for the counselor, the person giving the advice, to jump to the practical theology of it. The counselee is probably already coming to you with this in mind. Tell me what I need to change. Tell me what I need to do different. And there's certainly an aspect of that in counseling. People need to stop doing certain things and start doing other things. But there's a whole, there's a world of undergirding that needs to be addressed in order for real practical change to take place in your habits and your actions and the words you use and the the things that you think. There's There's a whole theological world that needs to be addressed and understood in order to get to the practical aspect of it. And so what undergirds the practical theology is the authority of Scripture, the canon, the hermeneutics, your science of interpreting, how do you interpret the Scripture, your exegesis of it, your biblical theology, your systematic theology, and then ultimately your practical theology. And so we talked about that regarding the authority of Scripture. Um, Then what it was that we spoke about last week was really the sufficiency of Scripture, 
And there are a lot of ways in which we can look at Scripture that we're not covering in this Sunday school. But authority and sufficiency are two of the bedrocks that we need. And we talked about what is the Bible sufficient for, what does the Bible intend for itself to be sufficient for, and what is it not sufficient for. And I know to, for some people, even to think about the idea that the Bible is not sufficient for something is like, whoa, what are you saying there? What are you talking about? What we're talking about is what, the, what God has given us the Scripture specifically for and for us to use it in that way. The Bible is not sufficient to tell you how to change the oil in your car. The Bible is not sufficient to tell you how to take an x-ray, right? We, they, these are things that we learn outside of the Bible. The Bible tells us what's going on, really, what's man's fundamental problem, who God is, who man is, what the solution is. And then how do we go about life? What are the ultimate aims and objectives in our lives? How do we go about carrying out that ultimate aim and objective and glorifying God? That's what the Bible is about. And it tells us about that ultimate aim and objective in a variety of ways, in poetry, in historical narrative, in epistles, in, in revelation, all different kinds of literature. But the, 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 the central message is the same. Salvation. God's plan of redeeming mankind. It's sufficient to address what is really wrong with mankind. And so we talked about what God's word is sufficient to do. It provides all that we need for life and godliness, the noetic effects of sin. God's word defines our counseling practices, his unique provision for us. It's sufficient because it can be used and understood by any growing believer. And it's sufficient um, when it's built on the key doctrines of faith. And so we talked about what those were last week as well. Um, now what I want to get into this week are what we would call the key elements. And we're going to talk specifically about six key elements, two this week, two next week, and two the last week. And when we're talking about the key elements, we're talking about more of the practical aspect of counseling. What are the things that when you're sitting down with somebody that you want to make sure that you're doing or that are important to do and that you prioritize. And they're specifically laid out in the way that they're laid out, one through six, to help us understand um, not necessarily order of importance, but really a helpfulness, a helpful guide. When we do things in this way, it can serve as a helpful guide and really being able to counsel well. Now, by God's grace, you may not work through things in this order, and but because God is at work, he still changes people's lives. I mean, really, he's looking for people that are faithful and available to teach others the truth of God's word and a desire to, to really help them. And if you have that, then you're on a good start to be able to counsel people well. So these key elements are some of the practical aspects. We've got the theological undergirding already, authority and sufficiency. Now we're gonna get into some of the practical aspects of it here, and the key elements. And so we're gonna cover key elements one and two. What I wanna say is this. One and two, just for me personally, when I first got into biblical counseling, um, key elements one and two I understood. I was like, totally get it, understand, see the importance of it. But I got to tell you, where I was focused, turn over the page, four, five, and six. 
That's, that's, to me, that's where biblical counseling, that was what it was really all about. And we certainly need to do these things. You need to evaluate the problem biblically. You need to provide biblical instruction. And you need to be able to assign practical homework. This is what I thought biblical counseling was about. The other stuff, build loving involvement, share biblical hope. What I mean, okay, yeah. But the other stuff, let's get to the nuts and bolts. Let's get to the truth of it. This is what you need to know is your problem biblically. This is what you need to do. Start doing it, and you'll grow and you'll change. And that's true, and we'll get to that part of it. But what I've come to understand via experience, via reading the Scripture, via continued just exposure and training to counseling materials, is that my heart has really grown towards elements one and two tremendously over the years. Tremendously. And they cannot be underestimated or undervalued in their importance. I mean, think just with me for a moment. Imagine one of the most difficult times that you've gone through as a Christian or just in your life, maybe as a non-Christian. What is, what is one of the, the most difficult situations in life that you've ever been through? And you're looking for hope. You're looking for direction. You want someone to help you. And so you hear, oh, there's this biblical counseling ministry. Maybe they'll be able to help. So you call, you make an appointment, you set up and you meet. And they don't, get, they don't take the time to figure out what's going on. They don't ask you any questions as to what's happening in your life, what it is that you've gone through and your experiences. This information is important. It's, it do, it's not, people's past experiences don't determine who they have to be but it certainly affects and shapes the way that they are right now. And you need to understand that information. You make an appointment with someone and all they go into is just seeing you as a, a, as a, prob, a person that's dealing with issues. They're just going to address the problem. They're not really going to care much about you as a person in the midst of it. They just see you as another, um, you know, another hurdle to overcome another um, problem to help solve. How does, when you're, when you're in the midst of that, how does that make you feel? How does that resonate with you? Does it really make you feel like the person is getting to know you and to understand what it is that you're going through, understand you as a person? Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, the purpose of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws it out. The, the things that people feel and their purposes, their understanding, their thinking, their interpretation of what it is that's going on in their lives are deep waters. It takes time. If you're going to dig a well and get to the water that's deep in the ground, you better be ready to put in some effort and some time. And you're just, at first, you're just moving dirt. There's no sign of water at all. But you know that you're going to get there. And sometimes in counseling, you're just moving dirt. You need to try and figure out what's going on in the person's life. You need to get to understand them. I know we want to jump to evaluating the problem biblically, and we, then we want to start to teach and provide biblical instruction. And for people who are, naturally, who are naturally teachers, 
struggle with wanting to jump to this too soon. Because we, we love the Word of God, we love to teach, we love to instruct, we firmly believe that the, the truth and the instruction of God's Word is really going to help them. And so you jump to it co- too quickly without doing some of the other things first that are, that are actually super helpful and necessary in understanding the deep waters that's going on in that person's life. And then you want to assign them practical homework. And again, we'll get to these things in particular. But I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help us understand the importance of especially the elements one through two that we're going to talk about today. I also want to say this before we, as we get into elements one and two, that we need to see all six of these elements as not as like stages that you move through and then you get to the next one. So it's not like, okay, building loving involvement. I do that in the first meeting with the person. I've done that. Okay, now I move on to the next one. You're always doing this. It doesn't matter if you're meeting with the person for the first time. It doesn't matter if you're meeting with them for the 20th time. You're still building loving involvement with them. You're still giving them biblical hope. You're always gathering information. Never assume you know everything there is to know about the situation and about that person. I think there's a couple um, words of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 18, if you would flip there. Proverbs 18, 13. And I think that this helps us transition really into elements one and two. Never assume that you know all the information that there is to know. Always be gathering information, getting to know the person better. Why? Because of Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Do you want to be foolish? Do you want to be ashamed of the counsel that you give someone else? Do you want to be known as a fool? I don't think anybody in this room wants to be known as a fool. And yet the scriptures tell us that if we give an answer before we hear, it's to your folly and shame. Listening and hearing and asking good questions is key in being a good counselor. I was in sales for seven years. I learned, I, actually in sales, you actually learn a lot of really good people skills, conversational skills, listening skills. Because if you want to be a good salesman, you got to listen to what the people want. And what I was always told was, you've got two ears and one mouth. And so you get to learn the importance. What's a good question? How important it is to ask good questions. How questions that you ask in their, you know, in their order are important and helpful and fruitful. And these are not things that you know, we might be familiar with or comfortable doing or really skilled at doing to begin with. But over time... You develop the ability and skill to 
ask good questions, to be able to um, draw out what's going on in their heart so that they can, you can hear the answer that they're giving and then you can respond wisely and appropriately to them. I think just asking yourself the question, are you a good listener? It's really important to think about. When people are talking, are you really listening? Or are you just waiting for the break in the conversation to insert the next thing that you want to say? Right? A, a good friend, I mean, and this is not even just limited to biblical counseling, just like a good friend is someone that asks a question and then listens for the answer. And I guarantee this, you will, do, you will become a better question asker when you become a better listener. Because someone's going to say something, and you'll be able to pick up. Hey, how was your day? We say this every, like every Sunday, right? How was your week? Sometimes people go, eh, it was okay. Oh, man, guess what happened to me yesterday? Dude, like you just passed up like a ripe opportunity to enter into that person's world and go, oh, just okay, what, what's going on? Wayne mentioned this yesterday in the men's meeting, and I was super thankful for this. He said, so often we come to church, and who is it all about? Me. How often do you come to church with the mindset of being there to help serve other people and encourage other people and minister to others? I guarantee, I don't know, I mean, for me, I wake up in the morning, and guess who the first person on my mind is? Me. Like, I have to retrain myself to not put me first, think about me first. And I would imagine the case is probably the same for everyone else in this room. To be a good counselor means to put others first, and it means to be a good listener, and it means to ask good questions. And so we want to be able to ask good questions so that our, our response isn't folly and shameful. We want to hear well. So that'll transition us into these key, two key elements here. Key element number one, building loving involvement. Um, we see this in Jesus' life and ministry. We see this in uh, Paul's life and ministry as well. And we see this, that we're, is what it is that we're commanded to do in Scripture as well. To build loving involvement in people's lives. First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
build loving involvement in people's lives. I mean, you don't have to look any further than what it is that God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, which we'll talk about this morning in our Romans passage. Believers are commanded to love others, to build loving involvement in their lives, because that's what it is that God has done for us. You think about the incarnation, right? God came and dwelt among us. Why did he come and do that? I think everyone probably knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I think of what it is that we're going to talk about this morning in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I got to tell you, the people that are going to come to you and ask for help from you, they're sinful people. Guess what? You're going to have to deal with sinful problems. And guess what? They might sin against you as the counselor. (gasps) How dare they? Look, what do sinners do? We sin. What has God done for us? Sent his son into the world to die for our sin. Now, there's plenty of people that are redeemed that love the Lord Jesus Christ and their sins have been paid for, but guess what? They're still struggling with sin and they're still living out in some ways in their sin. And if you're having a conversation with them about these things, they're wanting your help. Perhaps they're wanting your help. Sometimes people just want to vent. Scripture discourages venting, but that's a whole other issue. But if people are coming to you and they're asking for help, Building loving involvement with them is really important to do. If, you're all, if you already have an existing friendship and relationship, then a lot of this work is already done, and that's super helpful. But you imagine a complete stranger coming to you. Imagine a couple who's in, having marital issues after an affair or something like that where someone has really been hurt. You jump into, okay, well, let's open up our Bibles. Don't you know that having an affair is sinful? Yeah, it's kind of why I'm here. Okay, well, this is what we need to do. Boom, 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 and you start firing away. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Have you forgiven him? Oh, no, okay, well, forgive, forgive, forgive. And you never take any time to flesh out, like, yeah, yes, he needs to put it off, and he needs to repent of it, and she needs to learn to forgive, or vice versa. He needs to learn to forgive. She needs to learn to repent and put off. But like, if you don't build loving involvement and really get to know the people and uncover like the heartache and the pain and what's going on and the broken trust and work through all of that stuff as well, then I, they're not coming back next week. You know? How many of us have, right, been there and done that? Building loving involvement is what God has done for us. He knows our condition. He knows that we're sinful people. And while we were yet sinners, for God so loved us, he sent his son. He put his son forward for us. Counseling, you're called to put forward yourself, but more importantly, you're called to put forward the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Bring people to Christ. Keep in mind your ultimate goal is you're bringing people into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to change them. And you do that through the word, and you do that because you are an ambassador and the aroma of Christ as well. Do you have a way about you? Do you have a character about you? Your tone, your body language, your timing, all of that kind of stuff, that's inviting, that's Christ-likeness. Do you put off humility and meekness? I'll tell people, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the Bible memorized. But what I will tell you is this. I'm convinced that the person that this book talks about can help. And you're called to bring people into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ through his word. And the more loving involvement that you build with them, the further it's going to go. How do you do that? Be sensitive to their struggles and try to understand where they are. Enter into their world. How does this happen? Asking good questions. Sometimes people are struggling with something that they come to me for counseling for, and I'm like, why is this such a big deal to them? Honestly, I think that to myself. Because what they're going through and what they're feeling in their situation, I wouldn't respond the same way. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. That do, I but I'm not called to insert myself into their life. What I know is that this situation has gravely impacted this person and they're in a world of hurt and I'm called to enter into their world and show them the love of Christ like God has done for us. He came and he dwelt among us, entered into their, our world, lived among us, suffered for us, died for us, rose for us, and still continues to intercede and mediate for us as well. So building love and involvement means entering into their world, becoming their spiritual friend. I can't tell you how many people I have built friendships with. It started off just as counselor, counselee, and it grew into genuine friendship over time. That way, and, and to the point to where when you're done, it's like, man, we're not, I'm, a, I'm disappointed. I'm not going to get to see my friend as much as I used to. Be genuine and explain biblical values. Being genuine. Explain biblical values to them. Walk with them compassionately in times of suffering. Walk with them compassionately. Walk with them. Be there with them. Counseling is hard work. I've said before, heart work is the hardest work. It's the hardest work in your own life. It's the hardest work in anyone else's life. And when you're venturing to enter into heart work in another person's life, you have to know that you're signing up to do one of the hardest things there is to do. Number one, because you can't make it happen. You're completely dependent upon God to do it. We don't like that. But that's, that's the truth of the matter. Secondly, it can take time, and we don't like to take time to do things. We get frustrated when things aren't moving along at our pace. Why is this person not getting this? this is, why do they keep coming in week after week crying over the same issue? I don't know what else to say about this issue. I don't know where else to point them in Scripture. Guess what? Your, pro, your job is not to fix the problem or to make it go away. 
Your problem is to lovingly walk through them, through the problem, compassionately, patiently, lovingly, with the truth of God's word, and at times challenging, exhorting, admonishing where it needs to be. But we're talking about initially the importance of building love and involvement and making sure that even in your admonishment, your exhortation and correction, which will be a necessity, you will need to correct, but to be able to correct them in love and understanding and patience. Confront them lovingly in times of sin. To be able, and I just, just covered that. Any questions about building loving involvement um, before we get into generating or sharing biblical hope? Maybe just an exhortation. Having been on the other side of this um, in a time of serious crisis for me and my family, I, I didn't receive any of this. Um, and, I, and I looked for it. I, I really searched for biblical counseling and found none of it. Yeah. But I'm telling you, what, even what little bit I did get, if you don't build that, if you don't go through this, this part of building a loving relationship with that person and get to know them and walk with them through that, I think the most devastating part of all of that was going to the place where I thought I would really get help and found none. Yeah. It was, I, I almost became suicidal mm -hmm. at one point because I just, I felt like, okay, this is my only hope and I found nothing there. And it was, it was devastating. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that, that's um, why I think it's important to think about these things really um, specifically, the importance of building loving involvement with people. Um, I heard the saying before, people don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. And... You know, training, what we're going through, training, degrees, certification, you know, all that stuff is great. Um, but I guarantee that only goes so far in building hope and confidence in someone's life. If you don't take the time to really treat them like a person, build loving involvement the way that Christ does. I mean, just think of the way that Jesus has loved you and been faithful to you and good to you and treated you. And that's what we're called to then do in the lives of other people. Um, don't feel like you need to rush through things. People that are problem-focused, what I'll say this, the problem is not the problem. They're gonna, people are going to come in and they're going to say, this is the problem. I need you to help me fix this. What I'm going to tell you is this. They think that's what the problem is. The problem is not the problem. The heart is the problem. Always. Every single time. And who is the only person that can change the human heart? God. So who do they need to hear from? God. Where has he spoken from? His word. 
That's why we call it biblical counseling. You need to take the time to build loving involvement and don't feel like you need to rush through things. If you feel like you have, you know how many times, man, I'm going to run out of time. Do you know how many times someone has come to me and said, I'll ask them, what's the problem in your eyes? You explain it to me. I want to understand. This is the problem. So if this went away, then you would finally be happy. Yes. Okay, I know where they're operating from. I'm not operating from there. That's okay. I'm trying to pull them to where I am. And we'll get to get, I'll go, okay, yeah, that, I understand that. That must be hard. You know, work through all that stuff, sympathizing with them, understanding. And then we'll begin to get into, well, let's talk about where these problems come from. And then you begin to show them in Scripture where the problems come from and the, and the importance of the heart, the heart being the, the motor of their life, right? I mean, the reason why they're doing what they're doing and have done what they've done is because they've got idols, they've got desires. They've, oh, we are worshipers at our core. Um, you begin to uncover some of that stuff, and guess what? Their problem begins to get solved, and you haven't even like talked about it yet and addressed it specifically because you're eroding away at the foundation of which their idol is sitting upon. And they don't even know you're doing it, and it's, it's wonderful. And pretty soon, though, they go, wow, I've got a completely new perspective on things. And then they begin to address the problems on their own, and they begin to see the problem's not the problem, the heart's been the problem the whole time. Number two, sharing biblical hope. Um, yeah. It's okay. Struggle for me. Coming out of this secular world, right? Mm -hmm. Going through all the secular ways, right? It's all about feelings. It's all about being a victim. It's all about a survivor of a circumstance. It's about me, 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 which is so damaging to people mm -hmm. because it's all up here. It's not in here. Mm -hmm. So when you come to here, there's a war. When I know 100% that the answer is right here. Mm -hmm in God's word and crying out for those answers a broken world mm -hmm. crying out to God waiting for him to answer having that person that you can talk to, having that, but in your mind, you don't want to burden anybody because it's like, okay, I know the answer. Why can't it change? Why doesn't it happen? And you, I think the, it's like we talked about, it's about that root, right? It's about pulling out the root. It's like weeding and you pull the root out and next week, here comes that stupid weed again. It's like, but I pulled it out but you didn't get the root. You didn't, go, you didn't dig deep enough. So it's like the gift 
is perseverance of not giving up no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it's about switching, right? Because now I've seen, I don't watch, I try not to watch a lot of TV because, wow, it's just bad. But now they have this whole thing about, you can call a therapist online. I'm like, really? Stop. <laughs> I mean, as I, I want to run screaming from all of that. Mm -hmm. So what I know is, is that I just can't give up. Right. No matter what. Right. And after so much brokenness and so much hurt, letting people in and having and trying to build that relationship with someone is is hard. It is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, and what I tell people is you just can't give up. I can't explain it. I don't have the words. I have minimal knowledge of to me, mm -hmm. in my opinion, I have minimal knowledge of God's word. I've been told I have more, but You do. Yeah, it's a whole nother <laughs> issue. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's about switching that. It's not about my feelings. My feelings are killing me. Mm -hmm. It's about my heart. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I think, uh, thank you, Tina, for sharing that. Um, we're not going to get into the hope. We won't be able to uncover all of this this morning. I want to, um, we'll just park it and save it for next Sunday and try and... Um, cover a little bit more ground. Won't have to do the introduction next week, some of the transition stuff. But um, I want, let me, I would say this. If you had no hope that things could change, where would we be? I mean, that kind of helps us understand the importance of biblical hope. I can't, I'll tell people, I can't promise you that your circumstances are going to change. I can't promise you that God is going to make the problem go away and that you're going to feel better. But what we can, what I can promise you is that he, doesn't, he will never leave you nor forsake you. What I can promise you is that the God of hope has filled you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might abound in hope. What I can promise you is what we learned last week, that we are to boast in the glory of God, rejoice, and rejoice in our tribulations because tribulation is building perseverance and perseverance is building character and character produces hope. And hope will not put us to shame because the, holy, the love of God has been poured out into our spirit through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. You can give people that, you can tell them that stuff and give them true hope. I mean, that's what we want to be able to do. Sometimes if all they're gonna walk away with is just, okay, there's hope on the horizon, you've done your job. And then trust that the Lord's gonna continue to build in that and upon that as you walk with them and build loving involvement in their lives through the situation that they're going through. So I hope all that makes sense. Um, if you have any questions about some of this stuff specifically, come and, and talk to me. If not, you know, in between now and service, um, then this, you know, this week, um, I'd be happy to get together with you if, I, if, if we can. Let me pray. We'll close our time at Sunday school and get ready to gather together for worship. Lord, um, 
we thank you that you've given us your word, which is sufficient to equip us for every good work. And I pray that you would help us remember that we're not equipped once the problem is solved or the, the situation is resolved or goes away. We're equipped in the midst of it. I think of what it is that we read in 2 Corinthians 12. And Paul would say, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me, given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Lord, give us the grace to be content with weakness, insult, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Give us the ability to be content with your strength being made known in our weaknesses. Help us, Lord, to not allow our weaknesses, though, to discourage us and to feel disarmed as if we have nothing to offer to help other people who are struggling around us. For we have been afflicted and gone through affliction, but you, the God of all comfort, has comforted us in our affliction so that we might comfort others with the comfort with, in which we received from you. And so may we always be looking towards how it is that we might be able to minister to others and help others while we trust that you are ministering to us. Thank you, Lord, for today, for this time this morning. I trust that your hearts have been geared and prepared to respond in worship to you. And we come to you, Lord, with gratitude and thankfulness. We pray in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.